You are listening to Love, Maine Radio, hosted by Dr. Lisa Belisle and recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland. Dr. Lisa Belisle is a writer and physician who practices family medicine and acupuncture in Thompson. Show summaries are available at lovemainradio.com. Portland Art Gallery is proud to sponsor Love, Maine Radio. Portland Art Gallery is the city's largest and is located in the heart of the Old Port at 154 Middle Street. The gallery focuses on exhibiting the work of contemporary Maine artists and hosts a series of monthly solo shows in its newly expanded space, including Ingen Jorgensen, Brenda Sirioni, Daniel Corey, Jill Hoy, and Dave Allen. For complete show details, please visit our website at artcollectormain.com. Love, Maine Radio is also brought to you by Aristel, a lingerie boutique on Exchange Street in Portland's Old Port, where every body is seen as a work of art and beauty is celebrated from the inside out. Shop with us in person or online at aristel.com. Carl Strand is the general manager at Sugarloaf Mountain Resort, where he has been skiing since 1987. Thanks for coming in today. Oh, great to be here. I know that you're not just a skier. You're actually kind of a, you're a full range of outdoor activities kind of person. Oh, I love the outdoors. Um, yeah, I love to fish, hike, mountain bike, um, do a little bird hunting. Um, yeah, I love to be outdoors. When did you know that you wanted to have a career in this industry? I've always been a skier. I skied my whole life. Um, actually, when I was young, uh, my parents didn't ski, so I had to um, bum rides with neighbors and so forth. And then I was on the, in the ski club in high school, um, but I always loved to ski. And um, my whole career has been in the hospitality industry, so um, they've always coincided with um, either being on, in golf or, or for some, um, being a resort somewhere. Um, but um, the way I came to Sugarloaf was I started going there in the late 80s with some buddies from high school. And um, we went up every, every, every year and uh, fell in love with the place, got to know a number of people that are still there. And um, John Diller, who was my predecessor, um, called me about 15 years ago when I was, right after I'd gone through a divorce and uh, asked me if I wanted to work up at, uh, at, in his hotel and run the food and beverage department. And I thought he was talking about Sugarloaf, but he was talking about Sunday River, actually. <laughs> I didn't, and at that point, I didn't even know where Sunday River was, but uh, packed up my kids. I went in the car, went to Sunday River, and I worked there for uh, about 10 years. I ran the, the, um, the uh, lodging division there and, it's, and at Sugarloaf. And then I was the mountain manager at Sunday River, and then I became the general manager at Sugarloaf. So it's not just a love of the outdoors that you need that you have in order to do the job that you do. You also have to have... Well, experience in hospitality, as you said, but also experience with numbers and management and logistics. There's a lot of different aspects to your job. Yeah, there is. It's almost like uh, running a little town. Um, I say that a lot because we, um, you know, we have daycare. You know, we, we run a ski resort. We have food and beverage. Um, we have a number of different other things. We teach skiing. Um, there's a small police force there. Um, so you have to know a lot about different things. Yeah, and I think you always have to try to. Um, you know, work all those different departments too, so you understand how to manage them better. Um, I do have a degree in business, so I learned that part of the um, how to read a you know profit and loss statement and so forth. Uh, but um, the hospitality part of it, you just gotta live it, and learn it. What are some of the lessons that you've learned from being in hospitality over the years? I think uh, the big part is just. Uh, you have to listen to your customers. They'll tell you what they like or what they don't like. 
and um, and sometimes you can think like um, I have a background in cooking as well. Um, you may overthink your customers and think that they want to try your greatest new creation, but they'll tell you what they like and what they don't like. And then once they uh, once you do please them, they're your best advocate because they'll go out and promote you. And I think that's what I learned is just to really listen to the customers if you want to be successful. Sugarloaf has needed to um, maintain a certain level of excellence, but also continue to evolve in order to stay active in the marketplace. Right. The last time I was up there in the winter, um, I went to visit the Carabasa Valley Academy Competition Center, Mm -hmm. which is obviously a huge new addition to your landscape. What's that like to balance out um, an industry that's very dependent upon weather and snow and people visiting, so there's some uncertainty there, but also needs to have a constant building in order to stay current? Oh, I totally agree. I think any company needs to grow, and you need to adapt to whatever's happening in the marketplace. Um, you know, we have generations of skiers at, at Sugarloaf, but every generation has new needs and wants. Um, you know, one of the things we've seen at the new competition center, I mean, is, is one of the things that we can point to that one of our newest buildings actually, that well, first building in 20 years, so it's very new. Um, but that's just to reinforce, you know, our position as a skier's mount. You know, we're known for that with CVA, like you said. The only uh, the only resort above the tree line in the east. Um, we have uh, trails that um, can host downhill events. I think the only one in the east. So we're known as a skiers mountain. So um, that the new comp center reinforces that. But uh, you know other things we're trying to you know uh, reinforce uh, our children's programs to introduce new people into the sport. Another uh, uh, avenue where people do get introduced into the sport is in college age or 20-something. So we try to focus products and stuff for, to promote either young families or college something so we can keep growing our sport as well. You've had a number of um, Olympic skiers come out of Sugarloaf, and as well as World Cup and really world-class skiers. Does that surprise you? No, I don't think so. I think... And one thing about Sugarloaf, which I really love, is the community there. And um, there's a um, community sense, like the, the, the town really grew up around the mountain. So everybody that lives and works here really enjoys being there. And I think it attracts people, you know, that love being at Sugarloaf, but also it attracts people who are, are better skiers, are good skiers, it's challenged skiers. It attracts families as well. but. I don't think that surprised me because of um, what we're known for, what our DNA is about being a, you know, uh, uh, you know, a competitive skiers mountain. When you think about um, what you need to do in order to keep a broad range of ages and really a, a pretty large demographic happy, what are some of your biggest challenges? Um, I think you know. One of the things that's changed in the last 10 years or so, or probably even more, but uh, more so in the ski industry, is just, you know, the internet and how people, how we communicate to our guests through marketing um, and how they make decisions on purchases. And, and you know, but that's generational. Um, there's still, you know, people that, that uh, old-time sugar loafers, I hate to say old-time sugar loafers, but, uh, you know, still, you know, are reading the paper and doing all that, and they, and they, I know they comment to me a lot, and say, well, you're not on the, you're not in the paper so much as anymore, and I said, well, do you have a, 
do you have a Facebook account or Twitter? <laughs> Twitter. Um, so, you know, it's just how we're changing, how we're communicating. And I think that's a challenge is just to how to communicate um, to the to the new generations that are coming in and getting them excited about skiing and getting them, you know, exposed to outdoor activities and recreation and so forth. It seems to me that you are really competing on a, in the worldwide marketplace versus just competing against other um, ski mountains in Maine. Is that true? Yeah, I, I think for um, Sugarloaf uh, is really a destination uh, resort. Um, more than half of our revenue comes from season pass holders. Um, Sunday River, it's a lot less, and Loon, our other sister resort, is even less than that. They're more drive market. So we do compete, uh, you know, re uh, regionally with other uh, destination resorts. And I think it's the same thing even internationally. Um, and so we have to have amenities and gear our services to people who, you know, are going to come and stay for a day or two more than they would at some of the other places. So, um, so you know, that's a challenge, but um, something we welcome. When I was there last um, I guess it was spring, late late winter, spring. Um, you were hosting a World Junior Championship, and so you were bringing people, not only competitors but also their families, from lots of different places. And I wondered if people were comparing Sugarloaf against some of the other big resorts that they had been to and competed against. Oh, I'm sure they have. That's actually that was a second time in three years that we've had we had that competition come to Sugarloaf. Um, and it's because we can host those type of events. Um, yeah, I, you know, we did get, we have a way of, of surveying our guests we under, so we can get some feedback. And we did get a lot of feedback about um, Sugarloaf, and I think a lot of people were surprised because it's in the east and how well it's skied and how competitive it was. I think it's a perception of ski resorts in the east compared to the west and, you know, Europe that, uh, the, you know, they're not as high, they're not as competitive, but I think people were, were generally surprised and how well, um, how well it's skied and how competitive the mountain is. I noticed that it attracted a fair number of really big name um, journalists. So we had ESPN and I think Nesson was there, and but big, big names. So when I was there covering it for Maine Magazine, I, I kind of felt like the, the little fish in the big pond. But I was impressed with the fact that Sugarloaf was able to bring these people in to cover this competition. Well, we're glad you were there. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> that was good. But it was, it was very much, you know, it felt like um, one would feel in, in a higher level competition. Yeah. It, well, it is. It's the, it's the championship of... of and, um, for the um, United States, the best skiers in the United States go to that championship. So uh, it, it is the best of the best. So, um, uh, you know, and it, it just it reinforces what Sugarloaf's about, the skiers mountain, and, you know, competition, having that high level. Um, like you said, a number of, um, uh, you know, Olympic skiers have gone through either Carabasset Valley or skied at Sugarloaf, and we're proud of that. Tell me about your relationship with CVA, Carabasset Valley Academy. I think I think we have a great relationship with them um, and with the town of Carabasa. I think it's uh, all three of us work hard together uh, to try to promote each other. I, I think uh, we all it all we all succeed together, and I think we're also you know trying to um, help each other when we can. Um, it, we all kind of coexist, so it's 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 one kind of one big community. I don't see it as really three separate parts. It also seems as though you're drawing people to the competition center who aren't just from 
CBA. You're drawing kids who are coming in and doing um, more like weekend type uh, training programs. And this is something that you've been doing for quite a while. Yeah, that's, that's part of our uh, um, ski programs. We start the children off very small and then they get when they get into uh, their teens, they can go into the weekend program, which is run by CVA, which is kind of a uh, feeding, you know, area for them to perhaps maybe they would eventually go into CVA or go into racing somewhere else. So it's it's always trying to build the sport, either if you just become, you know, a recreational skier or just enjoy, uh, you know, free riding, you know, or if you want to be competitive, you know, you have that you have all those different, uh, uh, you know, abilities or, or avenues that you can be introduced to all those different things. You also are known for the Sugarloaf Marathon. You have a golf course. When we were there for homecoming weekend, I think there was a, a race up the mountain and down, which I did not do because it seemed <laughs> very difficult. But um, so you were also trying to appeal to people off season and maybe even people who aren't skiers at all. Absolutely. Um, you know, we've been trying to last, well, for a while, but the last two summers trying to build our summer business. Like you said, you know, we're, we're very, uh, uh, you know, our business in the winter time is very dependent on weather. And I don't know if you remember two years ago, it just rained and uh, froze up and rained. And that was one of the worst weather, or, or winters we had, I think, since the 70s, a lot of people still. So, and then, then, and then this year was one of the best we've had in the last 15. So it's, it's up and down. It's hard to, um, it, it's hard really to manage it up with, with just relying on winter business. So we're trying to build our summer business. And like you said, we have a golf course that just got rated to top 100 in the United States again. Um, we, we're trying to build our wedding and, and conference business. We have a lot of events that we're trying to do. We have a number of free concerts this summer that have been well received. Um, the marathon is sold out every year. Um, you know, we have the run to the summit, which you talked about. And, and if you did run, I'd see you on top because I'm at the top. I, I don't run so to the top. You didn't run up there. <laughs> no, I cheer everybody on when they get to the top. Um, so we are trying to do that just to help, uh, you know, the, the, the cycle of business levels in the winter, depending on the weather, we're trying to get, build a better base year round. Another big thing that's happening up in our area is uh, mountain biking. Uh, we have great trails, Carabasa Valley Trail System. It's, it's right out of our Nordic Center. Um, and um, the, the town's been working with uh, CR Nimbo, which is a, uh, a bicycle uh, club for lack of a better word, um, and uh, working on trails. They grow it every year, and it's it's really, uh, it, it's comparable to the kingdom over Burt, um, but we just, it's not as marketed as much, so I don't think people are aware of it, but it's really excellent mountain biking. You mentioned your events and weddings. You've had a nice upscale restaurant um, come into the to the base lodge within the last I think five years or so I think you renovated and you brought right. in a new chef and and it seems as if this is something that's increasingly expected by people who are coming to a destination like Sherloaf. Absolutely I think I think Portland's driving a lot of that um, just the success here with chefs and and the food scene is amazing so you know people have that frame of reference of good food um, and so and like I said, we're a destination place, so when people come up, they come up an extra day or two, they want to have that experience as well. 
and they want to enjoy different types of cuisines you know, and, their, and their expectations are higher. Um, so we've been trying to bring in better chefs and renovate some of our existing facilities. And, um, and you know, I think we've, we've done a good job with that. I don't think we may not be on the level of Portland, but uh, we're doing a good job with that. And that's it, kind of fun to do, too. Have you felt pressure to renovate your existing lodging facilities as well? I know that traditionally skiers, they come, they don't expect too much, you know, as long as they have a place to lay their head at the end of the day and a place to dry out their ski boots and and a place to kind of shove all their family in. But now it seems as as if you might need to have people... You might need to have places for people to stay that are comparable to some of the nicer hotels. I agree. Um, a lot of our, even our hotel, um, are owned um, individually. They're con- like the hotel is a condominium-owned hotel. I work with the Homeowners Association. So we work with them as, as partners to try to, you know, encourage them to renovate. And, and there is a... There is an effort in most of the associations to put uh, the renovation on some kind of cycle so it stays fresh and new. Um, but th- that's, that's a challenge a lot of times when you're working with a big group of people to get them all focused on the same task. Well, and it's a challenge too because you still have guests that are expecting the old-fashioned kind of lodging where you right. can kind of bring all your stuff in and just dump it on the floor, and then you have guests who are maybe not even going to ski. They're just going to hang out in the room while they're family goes and skis so they're expecting something a little bit nicer yeah that's interesting you say that because we see that a lot um during holiday periods when people come up they're not just coming to ski and a lot of the guests don't ski so looking for other activities to do and that's that's when we try to do other things in the in the village area and, and have some alternate stuff other than skiing for them to enjoy and we've seen in our guest surveys that their scores have gone up through those efforts so that's exactly uh, exactly correct. You know, they're looking for more things than just the ski experience. Yeah, I think I'm remembering that um, you've you have concerts up there. You have a New Year's Eve bash that's pretty big. Um, when I was there, the Ghosts of Paul Revere actually played kind right. of spontaneously down in the pub. Um, so it, it seems as if the word is is getting out. Well, that's great. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing, trying to do more and more, um, expose people, you know, expose Sugarloaf to more people. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's a fun place to come. It really is. I'm like, yeah, I go back to the community. Uh, people just enjoy being there. And, and, you, and when you're there, that just um, it translates, you know, t- from the people that work there to the guests, I think. It's just a fun place. People like to come up. And just kick back, you know, uh, not be ski bums, but enjoy themselves, relax. There's not a lot of pretension. Um, it's just a fun place to be. So any any other things like concerts and so forth will reinforce reinforce all that. You just completed a, a big sale within the last six months or so, a sale that took, you said, three and a half years yes, to yeah. finally complete. Yeah. How are you feeling now about well, this? Well, um, it's interesting. The company that um, I work for is Boyne. Um, and they, they actually manage, uh, well in the East, they manage um, Sugarloaf, Sunday River, and Loon. And, but the, the asset of the mountain is owned by a different company, it used to be called CNL, and it was a real estate trust. They sold it to this new company called Oxif, and they're a bank, investment bank. So the, um, the management contract survived that sale. So we're still, still working for Boyne, and that part hasn't really changed. It's just the new owners that come in, and then, um, then the, availability, the availability to capital and so forth for, um, 
you know, large capital projects. So that that's what's what may be new. You know, we're we're working on some ideas, and there may be some things coming in the near future. Um, but that's the exciting part because now we have a new owner. So give me an example of what you might do with the capital that you now. Uh, well, I mean, it could in, uh, capital can include anything from expanding our snowmaking capacity, um, redoing a restaurant, um, uh, putting a new lift in. Um, any of those type of projects that are, are you know big enough in capital that it weren't uh, uh, are, are out of the area of a normal uh, renovation that you would do every year. You've worked both at Sunday River and at Sugarloaf, and you mentioned that Boyne is responsible for both of those ski areas. When I was growing up, there seemed to be more of a competition between the two, having lived in Maine all my life. But now it seems as if maybe that competition has eased somewhat. I mean, someday bigger. Uh, okay, so maybe it hasn't <laughs> eased that much. I'm not sure. No, it has. It has. Uh, I mean, there used to be a sign halfway up the Super Quad that if you were at Sunday River, you'd be at the top now. And I know that was taken down, but um, we're thought about putting it back up. But th there's, a, there's a friendly competition. I think more so from Sugarloaf towards Sunday River than Sunday River towards. So when I was at Sunday River, people were like, oh, I'd love to go Sugarloaf, the mountain uh, at Sugarloaf is like, um, someday bigger, they just, it's, it's, it's fine. I think it goes back to when uh, Les Otten owned both and some animosity still remains there. But uh, I think it's more just kind of fun, you know, friendly kind of batter or jabbing. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that because it definitely sounds as if there's there's room for both in, in Maine. People, sure, some yeah. people like one better than the other for different reasons. Some people have a different allegiance based on their families and where yeah. they're located. What are you doing these days about the effort to stay sustainable and green? I know that when I was at CVA um, interviewing some of the people that were part of the competition, one of the things I noticed was that the lights kept going out because mm. they were motion activated. Right. And so that was a very purposeful choice to make lights that would yeah. would stop um, requiring elec electricity when they didn't need to. What other types of things are you doing at well, Sugarloaf? We, we've invested a lot of money in the last five years on snowmaking equipment um, that is more efficient. And actually worked with the state of Maine um, and you know, with uh, their program where they rebate, you know, based on efficiency. We have to prove the efficiency and then you have to retire your old equipment, which we did. Um, and also it uses, not only uses uh, less, well, it uses the same amount of water, but less air as well. So we save money on electricity doing that. We've also worked with the state of Maine replacing all our light bulbs, you know, that are more efficient. Um, we, we're all, we're actually, you know, all about um, efficiencies. So um, ski business is a tough business and you have to really, I mean, it's just like, um, I guess a lot of Mainers, you know, we're very frugal about how we spend money and efficiency. So we're looking any way we can, but also, you know, we're an outdoor recreational, um, you know, um, company so the environment is very important to us I mean you know our product is uh, um, can be uh, reusable you know it's 100% <laughs> goes back in to the earth um, so and you know we're all about wellness and and and, and uh, you know green effect and we worked a lot with uh, DEP whenever we do anything on the hill um, so it doesn't affect the you know the environment there um, 
uh, you know, just even our snow uh, cats, we have we're purchasing more efficient ones that have they burn or burn less or uh, a bit less uh, carbon into the atmosphere. So we, we're doing everything we can about that, and I think not only we are passionate about that, but our guests are too. So I think uh, they see that, and uh, you know, we're all on the same page. When I wrote an article about the ski patrol for the Sugarloaf issue, I believe it was two years ago now, um, I spoke to people who had, really this had been their entire career, and they had been doing it for years and years. And I think some people who are listening to our conversation might be surprised that you can have a year-round full-time career in essentially skiing and recreation. Well, a lot of them, you know, they they take a number of different jobs too. Um, in the summertime, uh, you know, I think it's more just the passion of being there and loving what they do, and they'll they'll make that commitment not only for themselves but their family to um, you know take whatever jobs they can in the summertime so they can continue doing what they love in the wintertime. Ski patrollers are you know they're a great breed. You know they're they're the ones up there you know testing to see if a trail can open and sliding down things that most people can't and uh um and then going places where uh, uh we had every year we have somebody go off our backside of our mountain which uh is unfortunate but the ski patrollers are the ones that chase them down and make sure that they're safe and uh you know i really admire them you know what they do um but also it's just that love of the community love of sugarloaf that drives people that want to stay there for so long and and do whatever they can just to enjoy where they are yeah, I've noticed the same thing about your ski instructors and your ambassador program. That there's really there are many different groups within the um, within your facility that have a longitudinality mm-hmm. to them. That there really is this love of the mountain. Absolutely. I mean, my my predecessor John Diller was there 40 years. So. So how long do you think you will be there? I, I don't know. Like, I'm going to be around in 40 years, but. <laughs> but. But a few more. A few more. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I've enjoyed our conversation. It was great to see you up at the mountain last year. I'm sure I'll see you back up at the mountain again this year. I've been speaking with Carl Strand, who is the general manager at Sugarloaf Mountain Resort, where he has been skiing since 1987. Thanks for making the trip down. Thank you for inviting me. Love, Maine Radio is brought to you by Maine Magazine, Aristel, Portland Art Gallery, and Art Collector Maine. Audio production and original music are by Spencer Albee. Our editorial producers are Paul Koenig and Brittany Cost. Our assistant producer is Shelby Wasik. Our community development manager is Casey Lovejoy. And our executive producers are Kevin Thomas, Rebecca Falzano, and Dr. Lisa Belisle. For more information on our production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, please visit us at lovemainradio.com.